0: gonna go Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers wrote another chapter in their incredibly disappointing season, losing unimpressively to the Minnesota Vikings at Lambeau Field. But this time, it cost them the NFC North Championship for the first time in five years. They fell by a final score of 20 to 13, and in addition to this just always being the worst Monday of the year after the NFL regular season is over, there's no Monday night football, there's not even a college national championship game, it's cold, it's January, all the Christmas stuff is down, uh, the Packers gave us a little bit of insult to injury yesterday by just playing an absolutely pathetic game.
1: Yeah, <laughs> can't get <can't> anything else <laughs> more than that without getting into it too deep, but I mean that was just yeah. Ab- Absolutely pitiful and miserable. Yeah. And towards the end of the game, it was almost, you know, kind of like the Cardinals game. It almost kind of got laughable with how bad it was again. And you can't, almost can't take it personal, even though they, you know, they got down to one shot at the end zone. It was just so poorly coached and so poorly played. You really can't be that upset that they lost. They didn't earn it at all.
0: No. And it really shouldn't have been that close. Uh, Well, we'll get into some of the details of that. But the offense certainly didn't deserve to be close enough for one shot at the end. I mean, that. Again, I mean, we've run out of things to talk about this team, but man, is there anybody in the world that's a Packer fan or in the Packers organization themselves that's excited for the opportunity to play the Redskins on Sunday?
1: I'm sure there are. I mean, that's kind of the one thing about Packer fans that maybe makes us unique is we're not, a lot of us aren't doom and gloom. I'm definitely not normally, and I'm to that point right now. But I'm sure there's still some tough guys out there. And this team always seems to be immune to some of this stuff somehow. At least they have been in the past. So I'm sure they're still feeling kind of confident, but I, I have no confidence.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I heard Rodgers once again saying something like, well, we'll play well when the chips are down. Well, if they weren't on the line the last two weeks, what the heck are you waiting for? Right. It's it's almost the same thought process that said Darren Sharper when he sat out of the wild card game saying, I'm going to save myself for the big games. It's like, what are you, what are you waiting for?
1: Yeah, and then you lose.
0: And yeah. like like we said last week, they really, what else are they going to say? Even if they don't think they have the answers, they're not going to admit them in a press conference. Yeah.
1: yeah, I was thinking about that today, too. I was like, the only possible way, maybe they beat the Redskins, I think Washington will probably win. I think they're better than we are right now, but... It, it made me think, you know, what the only chance that they have to possibly make a run is if they've been holding everything back all, like for the whole second half of the season. Yeah. Which would be just absolutely insane if they had been doing that, just holding back on all their best plays or something. Yeah. Like literally, at this point, that's the only way they're going to turn this around because they're obviously not very good and haven't been. So mm-hmm. the only way that this team gets better is if they've somehow been super conservative because they knew they had a playoff spot and all of a sudden are just going to unleash hell.
0: If that's true, then Mike McCarthy ought to be fired.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> To essentially concede a second... Maybe
1: he's a genius.
0: A, yeah, but to take it to the degree where you essentially, in that conspiracy theory, would have conceded a first-round bye to the Arizona Cardinals and then the division championship to the Minnesota Vikings. That's the stupidest yeah. plan in history.
1: Yeah, it, I'm, I'm 99% sure that's not the case, but I'm just holding out hope for that 1% that there's something in the back pocket here that we haven't seen yet.
0: Yeah, and mentioning the Redskins, everybody is saying, well, you'd probably rather play the Redskins than Seattle and maybe even rather than have to play the Minnesota Vikings two weeks in a row. And I would agree with that. However, there still seems to be the fans who are optimistic all the time. And maybe I envy those people a little bit, but at the same part, I, I don't know how they how the rest of their reality is made up if they can't see how doomed this Packer team is. Kirk Cousins, in his last six games... Seventy-three percent completion percentage, seventeen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, one interception, a hundred and twenty-five quarterback rating, and the Redskins are scoring twenty-eight points a game.
1: Yeah, they're killing people.
0: <laughs> they're gonna kill the Packers. I I, I would be I, I posed this question to you yesterday in regards to Seattle. I'll pose you the same one today. If you had to put money on it, would you put more or would you be more likely to put money on a Green Bay outright victory or a Washington victory by more than fourteen?
1: Ooh Yeah, that's a good line for Redskins. I was gonna say if it was like twenty one, I'd I'd take the Packers win, I think, still. But fourteen's tough. I think at fourteen I might still say Green Bay, but not confidently. Fourteen's kind of a big spread. Yeah but it for that to even be posed the question and have to think about it is insane. I yeah. think that we'd be 14 point underdogs to the Washington Redskins.
0: Which is the whole so, point. I mean Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, but I mean they're killing people and they've been super hot and we can't do anything. No. So even though I think their defense can be exploited a little bit, we have proven that we can't exploit anybody's defense at this point.
0: No, and it's sad cuz we're wasting what's been a pretty good defensive performance by our team this year, but I guess it's hard to feel too badly for those guys because now they know how the offense has felt the last four seasons. Losing games because one side of the football stinks. You know, I, I hope Clay Matthews and BJ Raji and some of those guys at least have the perspective to be able to, not that they have to apologize for it. It's certainly they, all of these guys on both sides are giving forth their best effort, but at least I hope so. Uh, sometimes I'm not quite sure with some of the offensive <laughs> stuff going on, but. Yeah. You know, At least it would be hard for Clay Matthews to come out here and say these guys are losing us the games when they basically were on a free ride to four straight division championships. Yeah. All right, so let's go a little bit. uh, I'm sorry if my voice sounds terrible. I I sound even more like a prepubescent boy today because I have uh, somewhat of a cold, which adds to the awesome Monday. Um, The offense needs a complete overhaul and yeah. we were talking about this yesterday, but we've seen, or at least I've seen more sophisticated routes being run when I was playing football with my fifth-grade friends at recess 15 years ago or <laughs> 20 years ago. It, it's pathetic. I don't understand how any of those route concepts are supposed to work. I don't think that if you plug Jordy Nelson in there, it's going to do anything. People are talking about Jordy Nelson and Ty Montgomery. It would have helped a little bit, but I think the writing's on the wall – even last year, we overlooked it because we had back-to-back 50-point games, but they were completely shut down by the Bills and by the Seahawks twice and by the Detroit Lions. People have been coming for this for a long time, and then you lose a couple of exceptional talents, and Aaron Rodgers, for whatever reason, is a little bit off, and then you just get an unmitigated disaster. And I don't know. it. Watching it last night and watching it the last couple of weeks, especially seeing what Seattle did to that Arizona defense right before our game, it almost looks like the Bills trying to run the K-Gun offense in 95 and 96 when they couldn't even move the ball. or They looked very similar to how the Packers move now. The middle of the road to bad offense because everybody in the world had studied it and knew exactly how to stop it.
1: Yeah, and you're right. We talked about this all year last year, too. But they still somehow ended up winning games and you kind of had a little bit more belief. But a couple of things happened. They keep doing the exact same thing, which I don't know how this ever worked. I mean, I kind of liked yesterday how on the broadcast coverage they showed the kind of the route, all the route combinations at once Mm -hmm. down the field, and you just you can't look at that being a knowledgeable football fan and not put your hands on your head and say, "What the heck are they doing?" (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're all seemingly ten yards down the field or more. And just kind of like these little button hooks or or kind of jogging fly routes. It's just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I don't know how that can be expected to work and how this team hasn't adjusted yet at this point. Yeah, I, I've got no answers to how, as an NFL coach, you can run plays that do that or put yeah. players on the field that are running routes like that. I, I've got no good explanation for that. And, uh, it's, it's mind boggling to watch that unfold. And, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of flip flopping on who I'm placing blame on because last week I was all on board with blaming Rodgers. But now after watching that yesterday, I almost started feeling sorry for him because <laughs> as much as he drives me nuts sometimes holding the ball and running around in the pocket, that's all he's got now at this yeah. point. Just, just nobody's open. And it's kind of, I think that's part of the reason why he gets to that is he's been conditioned to have to do that because the initial routes are never open.
0: Yeah. And, there's an argument to be made that if he was more reckless, you know, that interception he threw yesterday was terrible. It was one of the worst throws he made of the season, but at least he yep. drew it. I mean, yeah. he, him and Jones, you know, who knows who's at fault with that? I'm not in the film room or I don't have the playbook. So yeah, but there were, I can't remember, maybe second, first or second drive, they had a third down in like three and they had Cobb and Jones both singled up man to man, isolated next to each other. And I'm thinking if this were the Patriots or the Broncos, they'd run some kind of crossing tandem routes. One guy would either be open at the sidelines or one guy would be open in the middle of the field. You'd get five yards and you'd move the chains. And I was hoping, like, hey, maybe we'll see that. As soon as Rodgers snaps the ball, both of them are doing their meander fly routes down the field. It looks like a guy playing Madden who's never watched a game of football in his life, who's just calling four streaks every single play. And the receivers don't run them with any kind of authority. When was the last time you saw one of our receivers make a freaking cut? I know. I saw just, a post yeah, route
1: like, jog and then kind of swing around slowly yeah. and then give up because the ball isn't coming.
0: Well, and Seattle was just killing the Cardinals with posts and stuff over the middle, and I'm like, I don't remember the last time I saw a post route by the yeah. the Packers. It's I had almost no confidence going into the game yesterday once I saw Seattle just completely tear apart that offense and or that Cardinal defense and I again I still think Rodgers is off, and I wish he would make more um, or take more chances. But at the same point, he can't have fallen that far, I don't think. And our receivers can't be that bad. This cannot be the worst receiving core in the history of the NFL. I refuse to believe it. You've got Randall Cobb. You've got James Jones. These guys have had success in this league for a long time. Devontae Adams isn't any good, but certainly there's been guys worse. Nobody looks like our offense. You don't see any other quarterback that's sitting back there forever with nowhere to go. And then they show replays and trying to think of who's the blame. Yes, there's, there is a talent problem when Harrison Smith can, who's a safety, a good safety, not a great one, but he can cover your number one receiver one on one. Randall Cobb should give his freaking contract back. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's one of a million things. I mean, we could talk all night.
1: Yeah. I feel like I'm missing something though. You know, it's like how how does a coach watch the same game plan for two years and be like, yeah, that was great, and not like, you know, after watching last night's game on top of the countless other ones from the season where this exact same thing's happened and we threw for 38 yards and a half and what have you, and keep running the same thing out, I feel like it's almost too obvious. It's like, I just played high school football and played a little bit after that, and I'm well aware that this is wrong. What's going on? (laughs) That These intelligent coaches are just keep trotting out the same thing over and over again.
0: Yeah, I don't know, and it seems to go back to this thing we've criticized this team for forever, is their stubbornness, and they have beliefs that have become cult-like religions, and McCarthy so believes in his offense that he runs it with whoever is out on the field instead of trying to scheme personnel. You have Aaron Rodgers on the flip side, who so believes that turnovers will kill you, that he'll Die losing every game 13 to 20 because he so believes that an interception will somehow destroy the whole season. And on the flip side, I was thinking about this yesterday that we haven't talked much about Ted Thompson. We've, we've blamed injuries. We've blamed the scheme, but watching the Jets yesterday, I know they didn't play well. And then watching the, the Broncos, he is so committed to this draft and develop. And thinking of the wide receivers we had out there yesterday, and yes, there are more solid wide receivers in the draft than ever before, but are you telling me there's going to be anybody that you're going to get in the third or fourth round where he likes to draft guys, second-round receivers, that are going to be as good next year as Eric Decker is for the Jets or Emmanuel Sanders is for the Broncos? I have a hard time believing that. And the thing I just thought of today when I was thinking about the game our whole system is draft and develop. Who was the last guy that we drafted and developed? Clay Matthews, Aaron Rodgers, um, Jordy Nelson, maybe not, maybe Jordy Nelson's the closest one, but Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings, all of those guys were great from the moment they put on a Packer uniform. They were about, you could tell from day one that Greg Jennings was a Pro Bowl quality talent and that Clay Matthews was a Pro Bowl quality talent. And Aaron Rodgers, by the time he got to play, you could tell this guy was great. When we, who was the last guy that we picked up in the fourth or fifth round and developed him into a great star?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I was Sam Shields came to mind, but he was an undrafted free agent signing, so I guess they signed him and developed him.
0: And he, he started just, the first game of the 2010 season. I know Al yeah. or Al Harris wasn't was injured, but he started the first game of his career as an undrafted free agent. So clearly, he was good enough.
1: Yeah, you know, you're right. I, I guess maybe I'm just thinking secondary. I'm thinking maybe Morgan Burnett or Nick Collins. You could say that.
0: Yeah, but, nice. but again, Nick Collins started from day one. I know on a yep. poor team and, and Morgan Burnett's not that good. If, if your draft and develop system produces Morgan Burnett's, I'd rather try my luck in free agency.
1: Well, and that's basically what the team is made up of right now is Morgan Burnett's. They're guys that are good, that they can be starters, but that you could definitely upgrade over. And that's basically other than a few guys, your entire roster.
0: Yeah. And that offensive line goes right along that too. I mean, that was last year. They all had the season of their lives and I know they're banged up and whatnot, but, you know, Sitton's played a lot from right away. Uh TJ Lang was starting his first or second season. Brian Bulaga was starting his first season. Bakhtiari was starting his first season. And those guys probably aren't your top, top level, but there was no development. They were either good enough or they weren't. And then you have situations like yesterday where if Don Barclay is such a bad tackle that your guard has to play tackle, cut him. Why is he on the team? Yeah. I, I don't... I don't understand. I think everybody should have to be looked at right now, and I heard a lot of people counteracting the cynicism of fans like me, and to some degree you, today, saying how greedy we are as Packer fans, and yes, we're greedy, but what's wrong with being greedy do a great job at work for 20 years and then just refute any new ideas or just rest on your laurels and see how long it takes before you get fired. I suspect less than a couple of mi- yeah. months. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and
1: that, the greedy thing can maybe be a, a funny kind of a a thing because a lot of teams don't ever get the success that we've had but when you've had it and you know you still have the same pieces and you've got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and the same coaching staff and all of a sudden you're awful it's it's hard not to it's hard to be just like alright yeah that's fine no problem what sports fan does that yeah I don't think that's a serious point or an argument.
0: What it's, organization does that? That's what I want to know. Turn in a couple of quarters where you're not turning a profit and say, but remember 2014 when we were making then. a oh, ton of money? Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no line of work anywhere where that's that's the case. You can't just say <laughs> greedy. Like, Microsoft isn't greedy because they kept being successful.
0: Yeah. App- remember Windows 95, guys, <laughs> before we talk about all the disasters we've had recently? Windows 95, though. Let's just remember where we, we were at then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. So you, you brought up the, the thing where you're not quite sure, um, who you blame the most. So we've played a complete regular season now, which is hard to believe. Who do you think it is? Who, who most has to change in order for this to get fixed in 2016?
1: Yeah. And I've swapped on this pretty much every week, but right now after week 17, I've landed on Mike McCarthy slash the coaching staff for sure. Uh, at this point, and last week it would have been Rodgers, so it kind of changes, but I think at this point it seems fairly obvious, I guess, and maybe maybe not, Mm -hmm. but I just think what they're putting out on the field for a strategy and a game plan on offense, if your offense with Aaron Rodgers, although he's a little off, he's still better than a lot of guys out there, Mm -hmm. is putting up under 100 yards every first half, it seems like, for the entire second half of the season. yeah, And you get outscored by a very average to below average Minnesota Vikings team And you can only put up 13 points. I mean, that's an embarrassment. You get crushed by the Cardinals. It's the same thing week in, week out, no adjustment. So Mm -hmm. I think it falls on their shoulders.
0: I have to agree. I feel like I criticize Aaron Rodgers quite a bit, and he definitely deserves it with a lot of things that have happened this year. But, yeah, I I don't know what he's supposed to do with some of these route concepts. And I think it's a little bit on Ted Thompson, but I would probably put the hierarchy as McCarthy and the offensive coaching staff, then Rodgers. Then probably Ted Thompson and I'm sure Dom will sneak back up in there as the, as time goes by because yeah. I doubt they'll be able to replicate this performance next year at least completely. Um, I almost want McCarthy to, you know, he might have destroyed his relationships with Tom Clements anyways and with some of the things that have happened, but I don't know if it's bringing back Joe Philbin or if something crazy happens with, yeah. Sean Payton or with one of those guys bring them in for a year bring Chip Kelly in for a year and get somebody with some new ideas because if you're just going to be stagnant and try to run the same offense for years and years how good Mike Martz's offense in 1999 was unstoppable how good was it in 2009 Mike McCarthy's been running this same offense for 10 years, and he's been lucky enough to play with some Pro Bowl level pass catchers and two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think it's time that he gets some new ideas because what he's doing right now looks like it's five years past past its utility to me.
1: Well, and we were talking about two, three years ago that it's starting to seem a little bit outdated, and we thought that was a major problem, and now it's, I mean, it's fivefold that. I mean, it's an emergency at this point. Yeah. So I I agree. If you're not going to change the head coach, which. I, I don't think they will. I think as long as Ted Thompson's here, so is McCarthy probably going to be here. Yeah. So you've got to do something that changes, and I'm not sure if they're willing to do that. But like you said, I I don't know if I want Sean Payton, because it seemed like the same thing has happened in New Orleans that's happening to him here. Is, yeah. They ran the same thing into the ground. But yeah, if you can get some guys with some fresh ideas that are actually doing some modern football and running some creative routes, I would be on board with that completely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe not Sean Payton, but just somebody who's has a different system that would have the courage to come in and implement some new stuff, I guess, is is what I'm trying to say. I just used him as a figurehead. Yeah.
1: I, I just, I don't know if McCarthy would be willing to have a guy like that. It just seems like, you know, you could maybe see Clements leaving because he might not want to stick around after he got ripped, the play calling ripped away from him. Yeah. But I just feel like, I don't think McCarthy would be willing to hire a guy like that because he's supposedly a play calling expert, you know, it's, It it seems like he kind of wants his own guy, and even though he took the play calling back, it's almost the exact same thing as what we were seeing from Clements, too. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see if they'd be willing to bring in somebody, if his ego would allow that, to have somebody who's not basically a clone of himself.
0: Well, then he's not going to be the head coach of the Packers too much longer, I wouldn't imagine, because the way they played this year... If they go into the offseason thinking that, and and I'm very worried that this is going to be the case, if they go into the offseason thinking that the reason the offense fell off is because they had some injuries and because they were missing some of their key personnel, their preferred personnel, this team's not going to make the playoffs next year. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to make the playoffs the year after that. And by that point, Mike McCarthy will get fired, I think, you know. It, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I would think two straight years of not making the playoffs would do that. And if they don't change anything, yeah, you're if they play like this, they're obviously not going to make the playoffs next year. They've been just pitiful.
0: Yeah, and it's a little bit different like in New Orleans where Sean Payton and Drew Brees are best friends and you see how close Jason Garrett and Tony Romo are. I'm not fans of those teams, so I don't have the pulse on them on week by week, so I could be wrong. But they seem to get along a lot better than Rogers and McCarthy do, and if there's any kind of power struggle, McCarthy's going to lose, especially with some subpar. And if he's too stubborn to change... um. It's gonna be a very interesting offseason, but I'm tired of these huge storylines and every year we have to revitalize something. You don't hear the Patriots every year having to go to the, back to the drawing board in one huge sector of their team.
1: Well, they're constantly refreshing. I mean, you hear of him going to hang out with Nick Staben or Chip Kelly in Oregon for, you know, a couple of weeks in the offseason, picking up new things. I mean, yeah. You never hear about that kind of stuff with our team. They just run the same thing every single year for 10 years. So yeah, some fresh blood would be nice.
0: Yeah. And, That's one thing that maybe Bill Belichick doesn't get enough credit for, is look at just the difference in the teams he's put out since he's had Tom Brady. Their early Super Bowl champions were all play defense, ball control offense, deep passing game, opportunistic passing game, and the last half of their quote-unquote dynasty has been an all-out, crazy offense, defense-be-damned type of a team that has won on the strength of their offense, and... Don't even run the ball in some games because they don't feel or like they need
2: you know, yeah. it.
0: Yeah, exactly. They seem willing to do whatever it takes to win. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if the Packers have what it takes to do that. They, they had some stat where Eddie Lacey got eight carries on the first drive and then like six the rest of the game. Like, what is the point of that? You weren't even in a huge hole until the third quarter. I don't quite understand. <laughs> um, so the defense, I think played well enough again. They held Teddy Bridgewater to a hundred, under a hundred yards passing and they held Adrian Peterson to sixty something rushing yards. How do you lose that game at home?
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at those stats and you wonder how the heck you lost to that team. I mean, they put up very average to below average numbers, but you weren't even that good.
0: Yeah. Well, you gave him a touchdown on offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, if you allow a team, if you only allow 20 points, you need to win that game. And an average offense would have done that, but they couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, especially yeah, especially at home. You absolutely have to win that game if you hold them to that. This just feels like the year of reckoning for the Packers, uh, yeah. and I'm sure it's very satisfying to all the other NFC North uh, teams, and they're entitled to feel that way today. But to have Jay Cutler eating a turkey leg at Lambeau Field, and the Detroit Lions breaking their streak when we're honoring Ron Wolf, and now to have the Minnesota Vikings clinch a division on Lambeau yeah, Field wow. is—you would think all of those would happen eventually, just not. Eight weeks All apart. At once. Yeah. Yeah, insane. It's pathetic. So, one thing I'm hearing a lot today, again, from the optimistic Packer fans is, well, they're 10 and 6, and the last time they didn't win the division was 2010, when they went on a run and won three road playoff games, and I'm gonna puke if I actually hear somebody legitimately try to argue that that's gonna happen again. Yeah. The Packers rankings, if you just take their points scored, points allowed, yards for, yards allowed, and you average them out. I know it's not a very scientific way to do it, but you average them out. It's not even close to what they did in 2010. The closest team for their average, so their average ranking is 16.25 amongst those four things. The next closest team at 16 and a half is the 2005 Packers. That's where they are statistically right now. So I can't decide if this team is pathetic or it's a freaking miracle and a testament to Aaron Rodgers' paranoia of turnovers that they're even in the playoffs in the first place.
1: Well, I mean, they, they seemed good at the beginning of the year, and they luckily built themselves enough cushion that they only had to win a couple of games against bad teams down the stretch. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't even think it's the ad. I just think that this team was, was actually producing before everybody caught on, and, and you're lucky enough that you got all those wins early because clearly they're not a good enough team to be a playoff team right now.
0: No, they're one of the worst teams in the league, it feels like, right now. Yeah. So I wanted to check a little stat. I was looking at the final... Statistics. First of all, this is the Packers' offense finished 23rd. It's the lowest they've finished since 1991 when they had a half crippled Don Mikowski and Mike Tomczak at quarterback. (laughs) Also, this is the first time in 20 years or 20 seasons, 19 years, that they haven't had a 1,000 yard rusher, 1,000 yard receiver, or 4,000 yard passer. The last time they didn't do that was 1996, when they won the Super Bowl and had one of the best offenses in history. And so what that did is it made me look a little bit more closely at those two teams those offenses from a statistical standpoint are almost identical. The 1996 Packers and the 2015 Packers. Their average difference in major stats is 2%. So basically they're statistical clones. If you go across the 20 or so main statistics that they use on pro football reference, uh, points scored, efficiency stats, things like that. But the 96 Packers scored almost a hundred more points. So I had to know why this was the case. So everything is almost the same except for the number of first downs is dramatically increased for 1996. And like I said, almost a hundred more points scored by the 1996 team. So here are the major differences. One, the modern Packers actually were much better at taking care of the football, almost 30% fewer turnovers. However, they had almost 200 more penalty yards and That That's huge, obviously, and they had 105 penalties to 92 penalties, so penalties hurt them a lot. They also got twice as many first downs from penalties with either the Aaron Rodgers hard counts or benefits of friendly referees. I'm not saying uh, conspiracy theory or anything, but here are the main differences. On third down, the 1996 Packers with the same offense from a productivity standpoint as the 2015 team. On third down, they faced almost the exact same number of third downs, and each one was almost identical, seven yards to go on the average third down. The 1996 Packers converted 46% of those for second best in the NFL. The modern Packers had 34% of them for 28th in the NFL. So third down was the big difference. And here is another big difference. Brett Favre, 93.6 passer rating, 5th best quarterback on third down in 1996. Aaron Rodgers, 16th best quarterback on third down with an 85.8 passer rating. He's behind Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, Jay Cutler, and every other NFC quarterback in the playoff field. Wow. He's gotten sacked 28 times on third down. 16% of Aaron Rodgers' third-down dropbacks this season have resulted in a sack compared to seven for Brett Favre. They have the same number of turnovers. Favre threw more interceptions, but Aaron Rodgers has four strip sacks, three of which were returned for touchdowns. And here is a stat that is crazy. Brett Favre, on his third-down dropbacks, actually threw the ball 87.5% of the time. Aaron Rodgers only actually throws the ball 75% of the time in his dropbacks on third down. The other either were scrambles or sacks with twice as many sacks as scrambles. That is freaking insane.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's not really shocking to hear it either. I mean, that's a big disparity, but it, it's not a surprise. I mean, we it seems like he gets sacked every third down just from when you think about the game. So that, But that is crazy.
0: It almost statistically is true. And it's not, I'm not trying to say that's all his fault because it's a lot of receivers and stuff too, but the thing that's cool about pro football reference is you can look at the wide receivers and Antonio Freeman on third down, was almost exactly the same as James Jones as far as the number of catches versus number of targets. Uh, Randall Cobb is in that vicinity as well. But here's the big difference, and that might go to more strategy. First of all, Richard Rodgers stinks. Ten of the 23 targets on third down actually were catches. Devontae Adams caught seven of his 21 third down targets this year. Um, Nobody was that bad on the 1996 team. But Brett Favre was 21 of 24 when targeting either Dorsey Levins, William Henderson, or Edgar Bennett on third down. So if you remember, Holmgren back then didn't use the shotgun formation at all, and I don't think that would work in the modern NFL, but maybe the Packers need to have more safety valves or something rather than just have James Jones meander around and hope Aaron Rodgers can jailbreak and make an amazing throw. Yeah. (laughs) So... Um, there is one other thing, I, I know this is a little statistic heavy, but I was telling some of these stats to uh, Caleb Pike, a great fan of our show, and he said, I wonder what the difference is from a statistics standpoint between the offense in the 6-game uh, winning streak to start the season and since, because obviously there's been some big differences. Um, the biggest personnel difference from them is the loss of Ty Montgomery, which he was 4 of 5 in uh, catches to targets on 3rd down. But... It is actually quite striking how much difference. They've scored 25% fewer points per game. Their, uh, attempts are way up, but completions are way down. They've thrown uh, the number or percentage of interceptions is almost twice as much. They were, Aaron Rodgers was getting sacked 1.83 times a game in the first six games, which is still incredibly high. Since the bye week, he's been getting sacked 3.6 times a game. That's nuts. The rushing yardage is way down, even though the attempts aren't down as much. Their uh, yards per carry is still over four, but down from four and a half. Their time of possession is way up, but the production is way down. So there seems to be a clear divide from the bye week. They were scoring 27 points a game in the first six games, and they've scored just over 20 since then. But on the flip side, before we say it was Ty Montgomery or whatever, uh, going back to the third down difference, they were 19th in converting third downs before the bye week, and they're 28th since the bye week. So, I don't know. Do you have any grand analysis to all that crap I just threw your way?
1: They're really bad right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yes, this is true. I don't know how to fix it, I guess, and it's certainly not going to be fixed Just be the 96 Packers, and you'll be just fine. But isn't that insane, like how maybe it it just goes to – I don't know if it goes to show how inefficient maybe modern offenses are, but you don't – maybe that's the thing that we can – if we want to have some optimism for next year or even for the playoffs is that – You don't have to go back and be the 2011 Packers and set the world on fire. You just can't be 28th in the NFL on third down and get sacked on 17% of your third down dropbacks. Mm -hmm. You have to find some way to convert a little bit more of those third downs. For every four that you wouldn't convert on now, you have to make a play on one of those. And then it would make a dramatic improvement.
1: Well, wasn't it, was it 2011, 2012, the years where they were just killing people with slants?
0: Um, yeah. Remember that?
1: It seemed like every single time they had a third down, you knew a slant was coming and they were getting first downs. And it's like, we haven't seen one of those in two years.
0: No. And
1: and like you said, you know, they had those really great receiving backs back then. And Lacey and Starks aren't necessarily that, although it does seem to work sometimes. They just don't seem to do it a whole lot. But I mean, you don't have a tight end either that's a pass catcher. Yeah. Which those, the 96 team and the 2011 team obviously (laughs) had great ones. Yeah. So that, I mean, that hurts a lot. I mean, if that's where all your efficiency is coming from, you lost that.
0: Well, and I can't remember which one, but I feel like it was 2012 where their offense, from a statistics standpoint, wasn't that great, but they were far and away the best in the NFL in the red zone, and they were phenomenal on third down. Mm -hmm. And so you don't need to get, you don't have to have... 5,500 yards passing and 2,000 yards rushing and all this stuff if you're just converting your third and threes and your third and twos and all that stuff and I think that's where this team it just feels like they're infatuated with the home run you don't need a home run on third and four you need five yards and then move the chains keep going
1: and that home run hasn't worked all year long I mean it seems like they'll get they'll maybe get a 25 yard completion of James Jones like once a game but other than that I mean it never works
0: yeah exactly and you would think that they wouldn't be so bullheaded that they were still looking for it to open up It's week sixteen There are twenty teams that are completely done with the two thousand fifteen season. <laughs> it's not just gonna happen in Washington or anywhere so I don't know i i ugh. this this has been one of the least satisfying seasons I can ever remember mm-hmm it, it, maybe that's yeah, being This greedy. might
1: be like my least favorite one I could think of. I mean, 2005 was rough, but at least you knew they were, you know, gonna lose and they you had fun guys like Sam Congato. You knew the team was a mess <laughs> yeah. so they were just plugging whatever they possibly had. Mm-hmm. Whereas this season, you know, it's, you still felt the whole time like it was the same team. They were just awful.
0: <laughs> yeah, which maybe is even worse. Like at least that 05 team was completely decimated and.
1: Yeah, right.
0: The thing that I was thinking about yesterday is, is this a glimpse of what old Aaron Rodgers is going to look like, like when he's 35. And if that's the case, let him play four years with the Vikings. It Again, I'm not blaming this all on him. Every great, great quarterback has a weakness, but his is the least satisfying. When you have Brady and Montana, those guys, you could pressure the heck out of them and rattle them like Miami did yesterday and like the Giants always did whenever they played Montana beat them to a pulp, and eventually they'll break down and start making bad throws. On the flip side, you'd have guys like Marino and Favre who thrived when getting rushed, and they'd just flood the passing lanes, and those two guys couldn't resist and would throw interceptions and throw into coverage. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, the antidote seems to be flood the passing lanes and his fear or reluctant play that is so adverse to making any kind of mistake, he will stand there and not make a choice until you come and sack him. And it just is the least satisfying way. It's like I said earlier in the season, it's the opum defense mechanism and I hate it. And I it probably makes the most sense because we probably would have gone six and ten with Brett Favre uh this year if he would have thrown a hundred interceptions like he did in two thousand five. They had almost the same rankings from an offensive standpoint. Maybe they go four and twelve. So that is a feather in Roger's cap, but it certainly wasn't fun to watch. No. Not at all. Okay, let's move on with this game. It was a complete disaster, and I guess we're going to play the Washington Redskins now. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the coaching changes that have happened. So Chip Kelly was fired. We knew that. It sounds like I, I haven't seen it in a couple hours, but they were saying that it was a pretty good chance that Chuck Pagano was going to get fired. Um, Tom Coughlin was the other big one that happened yep. today. And then there yeah, was some
1: rounds of fire too, but that's not a surprise at
0: all. Yeah, and, and then the 49ers fired Thomas, yep. Uh, yep. Jim Thomasula. So, I don't know. There's such... I, I'm not sure how I feel on all those. The Browns, I think, is ridiculous. Who would take that job? They've had nine... Next year will be their ninth coach in the 18 seasons that they've been back. Mm-hmm. Why would anybody go there unless you're already an established coach who doesn't care about your legs being cut out from underneath you? That's a place where your career will get ruined.
1: Right. I mean, you basically... they. I think they got rid of the GM too, so basically the only way you would want to take that job is if you're going in handcuffed to a guy that you know maybe and you can kinda of work on it together and yeah. start it from scratch, but or if you're, if you're the GM also leash, you better do it fast.
0: And how can you? They 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 haven't been good for years. Their roster needs a complete makeover.
1: I, that's that's the weirdest thing about them though is their roster always needs a complete makeover, and they've been through so many GMs, and they all draft terribly. <laughs> so, and, it, and they've even changed owners too. Yeah. But I mean, you look back at their first round picks, and they've just been disastrous. And no matter who the GM is, there's just something in Cleveland that forces people to draft awfully.
0: And that's hard to do when you're always picking in the top ten every year. I know, and they always miss. Yeah. I don't know. I if, if I was taking that Cleveland job, I would want to be the GM also. At least if they're going to throw me out after two years because I couldn't do anything with a ragtag bunch that I had to build up from scratch, at least let me be the one to uh, make the decisions. I could sleep better at night with that. Right. What do you think about Coughlin leaving?
1: I guess, I guess it's not a huge shock. I mean, they've missed the playoffs, what, four straight years? Yeah. And it sounds like he stepped down. I'm sure it was kind of a mutual thing, you would think. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I guess it's not a big surprise. When you miss the playoffs that often, you, you're kind of an intelligent guy, and you would think that you
0: wouldn't
1: he, – he's what? He's got to be close to seventy. I
0: think 69.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess that's not a huge shock. It, it was either – you kind of felt like he might be getting let go or just walk away. So yeah. probably the right time for him. I, I kind of hope he's just done. He had a good career.
0: Yeah, and you think he'll be a Hall of Famer?
1: I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, it was so up and down with both Jacksonville and New York, but you went, went to Super Bowls, and usually that gets you pretty close. I don't know. I feel like he might be a guy that maybe after he's gone, someday we'll get in.
0: Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. If they're going to put him in, they should just put him in now. <laughs> um Yeah. What's going on? The NFL Network's talking. But he's kind of in
1: the Eli boat, too. Yeah, he's kind of in the Eli Manning boat, too, Is they were always good and consistent and had a lot of really good teams, but... You know, just won the two Super Bowls kind of in a fluky fashion, but they did win the two Super Bowls. So it almost seems like if you put Eli in, you kind of have to put Coughlin in.
0: Yeah, it would be hard to try to decide what was a fluke and what wasn't. You know, (laughs) I think if you win two Super Bowls, well, I was going to say if you win two Super Bowls, you got to go in. But then Tom Flores is in and Mike Shanahan is in. And yeah, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. But uh, maybe that's a debate for another day. Uh, one of the things that I, I saw that Mike Malarkey got let go from Tennessee and, um, gosh, I just X'd out of it because NFL Network always starts playing videos and then it yeah, goes into like NFL or, Yeah, it just completely threw me off my um, my train of thought because I'm trying to speak and then all of a sudden in my headset I start hearing some advertisements, so I had to X out of it. But it was funny that some NFL.com article was saying that Jeff Fisher is safe, but they brought up the idea that by all reasonable... Um, measures. Jeff Fisher absolutely should be on the hot seat with four consecutive non winning seasons in St. Louis. He's got six winning seasons and 21 years of coaching, and yet he's completely <sighs> safe. I don't understand how that happens. He's
1: gonna just be like the nicest guy ever <laughs> that, like, no GM just can, or owner can ever fire him.
0: Yeah, they were saying that he usually gets really good relationships built with the local media, so nobody rips him in the papers or anything. And that probably helps the um, his the, the idea of him a little bit. It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's better than being combative and wanting people to fire you when you lose in the wildcard round or whatever. What did you think of Peyton Manning coming back yesterday?
1: Yeah, I watched most of that there after he came back in. I mean, he was looking accurate. He had some good arm strength, so it's kind of exciting. I guess, you know, it would be a pretty good story if he was able to make a run in in a playoffs where if we don't do it, I really don't care at all who does it. So yeah, I guess maybe if he's a good rooting story, I thought he played well. And it was weird how that offense that was so bad in the first half, all of a sudden they were just running like crazy and had the spark when he came back in. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes you think that the players might – be pretty excited to have him back
0: just kind of believe and whatnot yeah Yeah. I don't know if I said this earlier uh, in the season but I think it would be a cool fitting story to have Peyton Manning win the championship as a weak link of a great great team yeah as he's dragged so many teams to the playoffs as the strength of some not so good teams and still somehow with Teams that a team that went two and fourteen as soon as he was the only piece really that got swapped out and he had won what all but six games or all of eight games than the year the pre previous two years so that would be pretty impressive. Okay, so um, let's talk about the four games. We don't have to go in depth into them, but the Minnesota Vikings, who are very happy today, they should be. They get as a reward for beating the Packers to play the Seattle Seahawks, who. Look terrifying right now.
1: Yeah, and they put both of the NFC games on Sunday, huh? Don't they usually alternate those?
0: Oh, did they really? I thought
1: at least that's what I see on ESPN. Here is that, and we're of course the last game. It seems like that's always the case.
0: At least we're not the night one. I, ugh, I hate night games. I'm so over night games. After we feel like we've had so many lately. I I don't know. I'm just not a fan. I I wish there were more afternoon games.
1: Yeah, but it looks like they put both of them on uh, Sunday. So the AFC ones are on Saturday.
0: Okay, but. But, I, I
1: mean, after having watched Minnesota, even yesterday when they won, but having watched them all year long, I don't think they stand a chance in this game. I don't know how they do it. I would take Seattle plus 14 in this game.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree with you there. So, apparently Seahawks at Vikings is on NBC at noon on Sunday. Then ABC has, of course, they saddled ABC slash ESPN with Chiefs-Texans. Yuck. Yeah. And then... Steelers-Bengals is on CBS. So each – gosh, the, all four broadcast networks each get one. That's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Even though I – apparently there are no rules anymore with the broadcasting schedule. They can just do whatever they want.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. It, it was every single year it seemed like it followed a strict guideline, and now it seems like it changes every single year.
0: Yeah, they do whatever they want. Um, Chiefs-Texans, oof. It It seems like every team – in the wild card round, is white hot except the Packers. Maybe not the Bengals, but at least they're winning and almost beat Denver, and maybe they're the second coolest, but everybody else is white hot.
1: Yeah, and even a team like the Texans, who's been putting in like four-string quarterbacks, just keeps winning because everybody yeah. else is playing so well. They're running well, their defense is playing well. Yeah, everybody else in it is, is good. Yeah. Um, I guess, who would you take in that one? I, I would think Kansas City, but I wouldn't be shocked if Houston won.
0: I feel like Houston's going to win that one. I don't know why. Maybe because they're playing well, and I feel like that pass rush could rattle Alex Smith. And Plus, forget about all this Super Bowl 50 talk and number of championships and things like that. The Chiefs, after the Lions came into the playoffs last year and lost to get their... Record tying eighth consecutive playoff loss. Kansas City's like, well, we can't have that. And so they went to the playoffs this year and, and they want to lose to the Texans so they can be in sole possession of the longest playoff losing streak in NFL history with nine games. They got to do it.
1: If, they, if you're going to get a matchup in the first round and you get the Texans, I mean, with, <laughs> with Brian Hoyer starting at quarterback, most likely yeah. you got to do it. It's been what 23 years since they won a playoff game.
0: Yeah. The divisional round of 1993. Joe Montana was their quarterback when the last time they won. So, oh, that's insane. But they've also what? They've won 10 in a row. I mean, you'd think law of averages would say they're going to have a bad game one of these games.
1: Yeah, they're a really weird team. I you can say that, but at the same point they've they've won 10 in a row too. So it's like they're yeah. really really good somehow, and I'm not quite sure how, but they'd never lose.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen hardly any of their games, so I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, and uh, to your point, you could have said they're due for a loss after 7 games or 8 games, and it hasn't happened yet. Steelers at Bengals, um, I feel like Pittsburgh's going to win this game, but I really am rooting for the Bengals, not because I dislike the Steelers that much, but I can't imagine how frustrating it must be to be a Bengals fan, to have all of those consecutive playoff losses, and now you're getting Pittsburgh with your backup quarterback, and you're playing a team that. Andy Dalton got injured against Pittsburgh. It certainly wasn't their fault, but they injured Carson Palmer and ruined what could have been a really nice stretch run of playoff appearances a decade ago. Gosh, it must, it would be so satisfying for Bengals fans to be able to, to beat Pittsburgh at home.
1: Yeah, I would be surprised if McCarron can pull it off, but at the same point, I've, I've watched both of these games this year, and it seems like Roethlisberger is kind of stymied by the Bengals' defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, and, I mean, he was shut down last week too. If they can hold him to 20 points, they might actually be able to do that. Yeah. So I, I'd take Pittsburgh, but I, I'm on board with you. I think that a lot of people are going to pick Pittsburgh because uh, Dalton's out, but I think that they could still very easily do this.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the last six weeks, Pittsburgh has been pretty hot, but the last two, they've, you know, they lost to a terrible Ravens team, and then they ended up winning by 16, but didn't look all that impressive against Cleveland. No, not at all. Um, I'm still going to pick the Steelers, but I'm yeah. kind of rooting for the Bengals. I'll agree with you on what you said about Seattle. I don't know if I made an official pick, but yeah, I'll take them over the Vikings by whatever the spread is, plus some. And the Packers and Redskins, um, I, the, I I don't see how the Packers win this game. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it seems like we always preface our, if we need to pick against the Packers, we preface it with like this really long thing, like, I hope I'm wrong, and, and obviously that's the case, but yeah. it, as, a, as just an honest person, there's no way you can pick them to win this game.
0: No, and the Redskins are white hot. I think Kirk Cousins, I, I already laid it out, but he hasn't had a passer rating below 100 since before Thanksgiving, I think, so...
1: Yeah, I, I mean, as a, you know, you could have those Packer fans that if you pick against Green Bay and they end up winning, they're going to say, how could you pick against Green Bay? They won. It's like, well, I wouldn't even feel bad in this case. They've proven just how bad they've been lately. It's, yeah. even if they win this game somehow, it's going to be because they've been a, a, they're a completely different team than they've been for eight straight weeks. Yeah. So I, I mean, if they, they end up winning, obviously that's fantastic, but I just don't see it
0: happening. Is it really though, like, Maybe I'm the worst Packer fan in history, but I'm exhausted after this season. Like, they're not going anywhere. They're going to get they're just destroyed if they go to either Carolina or Arizona. And I know I'll regret saying this in in a couple of weeks when I'm dying to watch any football, you know, after the Super Bowl, but... I'm just to the point where this team is so flawed, and they're not even fun to watch. It's not even like watching the '09 9 team that scored a bajillion points and then their defense would disappear for a week or two. This team has been incredibly frustrating. It hasn't been fun to watch the last 10 weeks. I, I almost just want them out of it so I can watch without any rooting interest the actual good Super Bowl contenders duke it out for the final three rounds of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a point. I mean, when the game starts, I don't think you or I could, yeah, certainly could possibly root against them. And although it might end up doing better for the team if they lost in the stretch, just having the slightest half of a percent chance that if you win that game, you know, anything can happen, whatever, blah, 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 nonsense. I mean, you at least have a shot at it. So I yeah. I don't think there's any way, as much as I think it might benefit them, to lose it and maybe even lose it convincingly. There's no way I'm going to root for that at all. And I'm full out, you know, decked in Packer gear, rooting for them to win this game.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like I won't be doing that also, but I think...
1: It's gonna sound like it might.
0: I'm, well, during the game, those three hours, I'm gonna be pissed every time that we get a bad call against us, and I'm gonna be really happy every time they score, but, if, if you just told me that there was a 0% chance they lose the Redskins, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's just see what happens to the rest of the playoffs. I've, this season's been exhausting to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, the last couple losses, I, I'm not, like, upset, like me, upset after a Packer loss, angry anymore, it's just like, alright. Yeah. Even, even though it came down to one final play last night, it was incomplete. I just kind of like walked away and kept doing what I was doing. You know, it's yeah, just, it doesn't ruin your day or ruin your week anymore, just because of the way it's unfolding. And even a playoff loss normally crushes you for a week or two. This one would not. I don't think. <laughs> yeah.
0: Although the way the Packers lose playoff games, yeah, oh. it's
1: going to be they're going to be up fifty and all of a sudden find a no
0: way to lose. <laughs> lose fifty-one to fifty on a yeah. last-second field goal. Okay, so just to recap it so I can uh, record it on our picks, even though you're quite a bit behind after a lot of the different picks we had ye- uh, yesterday went my way, um, I'll pick the Texans, Steelers, Seahawks, Redskins. And who do you got?
1: Yep, the same, except uh, I'm picking against Houston. I'm picking Kansas City there. Okay, sounds good.
0: Well... I was gonna say hopefully we're wrong about the Packers, but I don't even know. Let's just let it play out and see what happens. I guess I don't really care at this point. Um, not that I'm not a Packer fan, and that 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 it's over forever, but ugh, yuck. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I did want to ask your opinion on this, Matt. The college football playoff, which had one. Half of good football, maybe three quarters in the Clemson-Oklahoma game, and then an absolutely dreadful game. Yeah, any of the big games were all terrible. Yeah, they they were terrible. And they all got terrible ratings, too. Yeah, Uh, I saw that. Like 45% down for the New Year's Eve games, and apparently they want to stay on New Year's Eve for the foreseeable future. And the main reason is that kind of some cronyism where the conference commissioners are in bed with the bowl committees of the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl who both refuse to move off of New Year's Day at their traditional time slots. And so they're going to be on, unless the every third year when the playoff games are the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, the other years it's going to be on New Year's Eve, whether it's a Saturday or a Wednesday. And that really screws over people like you who had to work that day and... Uh, people like most of america who have different festivities they like to enjoy on new year's eve night
1: yeah i honestly didn't watch hardly any of any of it i mean I, I had to work almost all the way through the clemson oklahoma game i caught part of it but then i went out to dinner and stuff so i saw like none of that game i watched a little bit but uh, of the alabama game but it was such a blowout and then i didn't watch hardly any of the games the next day i intended to but they were all just debacles and just complete Outset, i didn't want to watch any of those either because I had other stuff going on mm-hmm. so i mean you, i wonder if maybe the other bowl games if it's not the sugar bowl and the rose bowl might just be like you know what if you're not going to move off dates we're going to put the playoff games at the same time as your bowl games and we're going to destroy your ratings yeah i i, I know it's all in part of the ncaa and i don't know if they do that but if it's their bargaining chip they would obviously crush the ratings on over those games
0: yeah and i think they would do it had espn not owned the rights to all of them
1: yeah probably
0: the the ESPN apparently lobbied very, very hard to get them to play the games on the second. They're like, it's a Saturday, which is a traditional college football time slot.
2: Yeah, it, why not?
0: Yeah, and they wouldn't do it because they, we want to change the paradigm of New Year's Eve, which is apparently we don't watch the college football playoffs is what it's going to be in the long term.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's basically, for me, I mean, I'm just one person, but this ruins the college football playoffs for me. Because last year I really, really enjoyed it and I got to watch it. And going forward, I'm probably never going to watch them. Mm -hmm. As a big college football fan, that's a bummer because it's really the last couple of years is what I've looked forward to.
0: Well, and I think what they are failing to realize, and this is how I felt, first of all, having the college football playoffs followed by the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, I'm usually all about the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, but we've known for years that they're pretty much pointless exhibitions. Watching them after the college football playoffs really intensified that feeling. <laughs> Where, wow, who cares? It it doesn't matter at all. And so I didn't watch a down of the Sugar Bowl. I didn't watch a down of the Fiesta Bowl. Um Even though Ohio State was in it, I kind of – well, I had it on a side TV. I always talk about my million TVs, but I wasn't watching it. I was watching other stuff, and I just kind of would check the score from time to time. I watched the Rose Bowl for about three plays when Iowa was already down by a million. But I think the thing they're failing to realize is that I'm a huge college football fan, and that month off really wanes on my interest.
1: Yeah, that
0: too. I am dying to see the college football playoff the day after it's announced. By New Year's Eve, if you're going to make it inconvenient to watch, I'm already not as interested as I was the month before anyways. I hardly care. They're like, well, you can't watch this now. I'd be like, all right, that's fine. I'll just look up the scores online. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And having the championship game on January 11th just (laughs) – I don't remember the last time I really sat down and attentively was on the edge of my seat for every play of the national championship game. Cause usually by then I just, the NFL playoffs are one round in, I just don't care about college football anymore. It's been too long since the regular season. It'd be like having the World Series in December. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, I've lost interest. I, like you said, I normally would be all on board with watching the Rose Bowl and I just, I watched the first play and they <laughs> scored a touchdown and I had to go do stuff and I just gave up. <laughs> <I did. laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to after you've given up on something and not watch any of it for a month to dive back in and care too much.
0: I think the theme of this podcast today was everybody just give up. It's just not worth it. Sports are dumb. It, it's all over, and, and life is short. And and then then it's all over even more after that, right? No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So hopefully, somehow, the Packers find. Uh, a guy like Jordan Nelson on some practice squad somewhere, and they sign him, and then uh, the Packers can go off and win the Super Bowl. So let's just cling to that and hope maybe that's what happens. Right before we finish up here, um, I wanted to get to a couple of the comments that we had on the Facebook page. Um, I asked... Just a general question, how are people feeling? Daniel Johnson, great fan of ours, says, I don't feel good at all. It's been such a strange season. How do we go from the offense doing well and winning six straight games to tweak things every week and not be able to do squat on an offense and finish four and six? That is going to be the epitaph of the 2015 Packers, that people are going to be looking for questions on shows like Green and Go Forever 30 years from now. Nobody's ever going to know the answer to that question. Eric Hansen said, honestly, in my life as a Packer fan, this is about the lowest my confidence level has ever been going into the playoffs. Um, Minnesota was the better team yesterday, but they didn't have that great of a game, yet the Packers still lost convincingly. Uh, so they've lost in convincing fashion the last two weeks heading into the playoffs. Thus, I have no confidence for this team in the season. Um, four, four games into the switch now. I think it's safe to say that the offensive issues go way beyond who's calling plays. My only hope is that they will bring about some changes for this team moving forward. Um, he said a new defensive coordinator, which certainly won't happen this year, and I don't think it's deserved for Dom Capers to lose his job this year. Um, but, yeah, that's a good point. We didn't talk about that at all. It, it seems it's the plays themselves, not the sequencing and who's deciding on the sequencing.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, just the overall
0: philosophy. Yeah. Um Apparently just running just regular, just sort of jogging down the field doesn't work in the NFL. Imagine that. Yeah, shocking. And uh, Corey Bend added one. Uh, more comment that he's expecting an inevitable 20 to 6 loss to the Redskins, which could be about right. He also had an interesting story that he he posted about a Don Mikowski like jersey that he had. And he mentioned the 72 playoff game, which is one of the first things I thought of when we had to play Washington because Washington's new uniforms are like the ones they had in 72. So it's going to look exactly like that 72 playoff game between the, yeah, so that, at least that'll be fun, right?
1: Yeah, I, I remember that game like it was yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've always wanted to see that game, but there isn't even a physical copy of it to see anywhere, but <laughs> it seems like the saddest thing ever, and granted it was only four years removed from the, like, the Lombardi dynasty, but um, they got beat. I think they put ten in the box. Scott Hunter, the quarterback, was so good that the Redskins put 10 in the box to stop John Brockington, and he got like 9 yards on 13 carries, and they just destroyed the Packers, and it was at, I think, 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve, so really happy day, I'm sure that was. He also added that he feels like Packer fans don't want to consider the possibility that many notable elite quarterbacks um, are producing um, well into their 30s. But Brett Favre peaked at 28, so it's certainly possible that Rodgers has peaked at 32. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And maybe we can talk about that more in the offseason. But that's certainly crossed my mind the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, agreed. I'm not I'm not there yet ready to admit that. But I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility.
0: No. Um, We'll talk about that maybe at the bye week next year uh, to see if that's true or not. If he's got all his weapons and it still looks like this. But then again, if McCarthy's doing all the same plays, maybe you can't hold it against him. I don't know. Yeah. Alright, this has been a long, long podcast, and uh hopefully we have happier news. I'm just so freaking mad that we couldn't hear Steve Winwood today. Ugh.
1: Just, so now we just basically have to win the Super Bowl to get it this year at all, right?
0: Yeah, we do. So let's
1: just do that then.
0: Well, and there's really no other I don't know about you, Matt, but I in the modern day other than the intro to this podcast, I can't find any other sources of, of music. Like where where can you hear other stuff? I, I, I can't find it.
1: I think there's a pretty good radio station, isn't there, out there that you might be on
0: occasionally? Well, there is KZ Radio, um, nine in Appleton and the Fox Cities or 104.3 in Green Bay. However, I have some, secondhand in, or some first-hand information that back in the high life again, unfortunately, is not a part of their current uh, rotation. Oh,
1: man. Get it on there.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll try our best. I'm, I have lots of strings that I can pull there, I'm sure. Um, if you do want to hear the Green and Gold Forever preview, there will be at least one more uh, that will air this Friday. Also, uh, feel free to leave comments like some of the, those we just read on our Facebook page or hit me up on Twitter at Green Forever and watch me get really mad at the team as they continue to spiral down the drain. Let's wrap this up. Go Pack. Even though I said I would be relieved if they lost, I'm still going to cheer for them on Sunday and I expect all of you will do the same. Take care, everyone.